This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom World Cup daily podcast. South Africa are genuine contenders for the 2023 World Cup. They absolutely hammered Australia today and look now to leave Pat Cummins' men properly up against it just a week into the competition. On a relayed pitch, Australia won the toss and that was basically as good as it got for them. Quinton de Kock scored his second 100 in as many games as the Pro Tiers hit 311 on a pitch that never really looked like a belter before the South Africa attack ripped through the Australia top order. There are a couple of controversial umpire calls in there as well, as well as one of the all-time great commentary stints that we'll talk about later. <laughs> I'm Yaz Rana, and with me today is Ben Gardner. Ben, South Africa are two from two. It's hard to call them underdogs anymore. As such, is this where the tournament will begin to unravel for them? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I did sort of shudder a bit when you said genuine World Cup contenders, think about what the, the South Africans listening to this podcast would be yelling sort of like, please don't call <laughs> us that, don't give us that hope. Uh, because, you know, we've we've been here before with South Africa where they, they look good at a World Cup and then, you know... It's theirs to lose really, isn't it? <laughs> well, not, not quite, but there is a lot to like about that side increasingly. I mean, we've been talking about this a lot and even more in the build-up actually, when you're looking at different sides and every side has good players because it's a World Cup, so when you're trying to pick holes in the side, you actually tend not to look at what's the best that a side can be, but where could it go wrong for them? Mm. And you can you can see where that is for South Africa, really, because it's not a side that you could say has all bases covered. It's a, like, I don't know if you call it old school, but it's very sort of simple and straight down the line. They have six batters and five bowlers, and one of them is a bit of an all-rounder in, in Janssen, whereas you look at the others, you know, England is sort of, like, they've got sometimes fudging their six a bit with Mo and Ali there and they have some Sam Curran down at eight or nine because they want to you know give themselves as many options with the with the ball and make sure they can recover from any collapse with the bats Africa are just not doing that and it's it's entirely working because that top six is in unbelievable form mm. like Quinton de Kock is you know going to retire at the end of the World Cup and is in the form of his career and he's looked absolutely brilliant today you asked me a few days ago had my opinion on South Africa changed that much and I said no after the Sri Lanka game, because so much of their 
they don't have that much recent success, but their recent success has been on pitches that you don't really see in India that much. And it just so happened to be that Delhi pitch against Sri Lanka was quite similar to what they have back at home. Mm -hmm. But I thought this felt really different in that, you know, it's really hard to quantify what is a par score. But South Africa's 311, I think, was miles above par. The pitch was tacky, massive square boundaries. It felt really difficult to score off balls that were dug into the pitch with with pace off. Then Australia gifted them loads of chances. Um, There were also misfields. And I thought De Kock and Markham were brilliant in particular. And there's a lot of chat about how good the South Africa top six is. I think it's really significant that they're not just good, they're really good in India. De Kock, Markham, Klaassen and Miller are all not just IPL players, are properly good IPL players. So they have experience of adapting to the different pitches that you get across the tournament in India. And I thought the way those two attacked, there were some individual shots that were just breathtaking. The, mm. the six that De Kock hits uh, to reach his 100, a hook off, off Pat Cummins. Uh, Markram hit an amazing pull shot for six. The, sh- the shots that you don't really associate with those slow pitches with massive boundaries. Two, two, of the, two, two flicks over fine leg and consecutive balls as well mm. from Decock. One of which he almost got caught out and just cleared the man and then does the same again. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't... You, and it's, it's, it's also a top six that that all fits together as well as having that experience in India. Like you've got the the kind of the, the anchor men in there in, in Temba Bavuma and Razi Vandadis and you've got Decock who gets off to a fly you've got Markham you can kind of play any role and you've got the absolute explosive finishes in class and Miller but I think crucially as well they all just average loads like they're, they're you know you like they're, they're all averaging kind of at least 14 ODI cricket um and some of them quite a bit more than that so if that's happening then you're actually going to get to 300 quite often and also the reason why they are now World Cup contenders like you can talk all you want about who's the best team in the competition who's stronger out of x and y or whatever but actually once you get into it a lot of teams can beat a lot of other teams in their day and Safka have now beaten two good teams one team who might still contend for the semi-finals I guess we'll discuss them a bit later um and then if they then beat uh Bangladesh Netherlands Afghanistan which is a reasonable size if but you, you they, they should do that then all of a sudden they're at five wins and they kind of only need to be taking one off of New Zealand Pakistan India, England, and then they're kind of through to the semi-finals. So that that already kind of makes them tournament contenders because as we've seen uh, in these two games, they have a batting lineup that if it fires, is just so, so hard mm. to, to keep in check. Matt asks, is Quinton de Kock the cricket equivalent of Eden Hazard? Um, <laughs> he and the whole team, to be honest, just seem so relaxed at the moment. Um, he's brilliant to watch. And yeah, I think he does give off Hazard vibes. Yeah, I guess an underrated great of a generation kind yes. of... Calling it quits on their own terms, uh, a certain amount of uh, an interesting relationship with the sport that they play, I suppose, uh, and a, a reach have a, an easy relationship with their own pursuit of glory. I mm. guess Hazard didn't wasn't that fussed about winning everything he could, and De Kock seemingly isn't either. Very well answered. I liked how they picked the two specialist spinners today. It shows mm. a bit of flexibility that actually might be easier to do now that Norkia is injured. Weirdly. Because with Nokia, you almost feel obliged to pick him, Rabada, Ngidi, and Janssen every time. Janssen because of the all-round stuff. Um, and potentially at the expense of having the ideal balance. And they, they were, Ngidi and Rabada were, were world-class. Ngidi gave away nothing with the new ball. He's so good on those sort of pitches. And um, your moment of the, 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 moment of the week, moment of the day, rather, was um, 
that ball from Rabada to, to English. Yeah, and maybe it was my moment of the week. It was, a, <laughs> it was an amazing, amazing ball. Uh, uh, yeah, and I mean, was it Hayden on coverage saying he played around the straight one, which was incredibly <laughs> harsh because it was it was very quick. Uh, it was it was full enough. Maybe, oh, maybe it could have been a touch further forward, but who, who am I really to say that? Uh, but moved away. I guess I guess the thing is you don't normally get away moving balls that still sort of crash into like halfway up, often middle. But that's what this one did. And Josh English is a. Uh, his face was extraordinary as well afterwards, like a properly wide open mouth, not just in an eye shape, like a fish shape basically was how, how flabbergasted he was. Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, coming in for your first game in a World Cup and getting a ball like that, uh, f- four balls in is, is not yeah. ideal. Not the only Australian to be shocked by uh, <laughs> yeah. their dismissal today. Ben Jones asks, is South Africa's model of putting a short form white ball tournament at the heart of the traditional home summer, something other countries could replicate to recreate their success. The, the only thing to say, I mean, on that, maybe. I mean, you know, it's helped Markram get back into form, I suppose. That was the, the beginning of his of Are rejuvenation. Are you seriously? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously there's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek from there. I think we know what Ben Jones is referring to. Uh, but Markram, it helped, it helped him get back into form. I think it probably helped with Klaassen as well, I think. that's He has risen up and it does give a platform to some of those players. Mm. But also I think you can look at actually other dis- brave decisions that Cricket Africa have taken have, you know, they can easily have not been at this tournament. It's easy <laughs> to forget that. Like, and I know that Sri Lanka then cruised through the qualifiers in a way that maybe South Africa would if they, if they went there. But when they forfeited that series against Australia, they would have, like, they were properly in danger of, of not making this. And now and they're at the tournament and smashing Australia. And it wasn't just forfeiting that series it, it was p- picking way 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 below full strength squads for, for others as well mm. um just on australia australia were weirdly bad d- terrible in the field something like seven drop catches loads of misfields some of the pundits on tv were critical of their negativity as well as maxwell bold bowling him in the power play without slip is hardly going out of your way in the search for early wickets stark didn't bowl his full allocation i know he wasn't at his absolute best but still that felt weird stoyness who is very good with the new ball in South Africa recently is a totally different proposition in the middle overs. And, and speaking of Ben Jones, actually, I thought he made a really good point in a tweet. He said, last year, Australia were obsessed with trying to get batting depth, obscene depth into the 11. I can't remember a side's long-term tactical plan being so completely shellackled by one injury that I've had. From that to Smith and Marnus in the top four and Cummins at eight is a huge shift. I think that's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, they identified a way of playing that was working well, but also, regardless of the head injury, Cummins coming in was always going to change that. He weakens the batting depth significantly if it's him um, at eight. And then the head injury is just enormous. It means that they have, for 2023, a really old-school engine room at three and four. They're basically the only team in the tournament where none of their six best batters keep. So they have to pick a keeper who isn't one of their best six or seven batters. And they almost always have to pick a seam bowling all-rounder in green or stoyness, which is fine generally, but they are both out of form with the bat at the moment. So there's a lot going on there that isn't ideal. And also, we'll talk about it today. It sort of speaks of, of a wider lack of white ball talent, actually. There's a lot of guys who've been around for a long time. New guys, green's the only one, really, who haven't really come in and established themselves or, or even come close to doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I guess when you look at Stark not bowling his full allocation of overs, that that also speaks to the makeup of that side because if you've got Marsh in there and especially Stoinis batting down there at at number seven, and then they're not bowling at all, then that kind of shows up how skewed your side is. And if you've got guys in the, you kind of think, oh, I may as well throw the ball to them, and all of a sudden you've 
bowled four overs of not your best bowlers, and then that means that's four that your best bowlers don't bowl. Uh, and, 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 and yeah, it just is a real puzzle. And we should say, it's not just that Head misses out because of the type of players, it is just because of the player he is. Like, he is the best batter in that top six. Now, we picked a World 11 for the tournament. He got into that. Like, if if Butler got injured, England would be way worse. Like, have sympathy for Australia there. And you wonder what they can do about it in the tournament, right? Because if they... Because who who, who can they... Mm. Who can they leave out? That that in that Stafka series when they were going big, it was based on the fact that they had all rounders all the way down their lineup, and they've had to bring back in Stark, Cummins, and Hazelwood mm. because they're Stark, Cummins, and Hazelwood. Well, it's funny you asked that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in part two, okay. uh, where we will also talk uh, about a couple of contentious umpiring decisions and have a quick look ahead to tomorrow's game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. So, Ben, your, your question at the end of part one is what can Australia do? They're partly hamstrung by the fact that Travis Head is in their squad and he's not available for a while longer. So they effectively have a 14-man squad. The three players who didn't play today were Abbott, Green and Kerry. And Kerry. Do you think Cummins could drop himself? Because if, if the, the extra batting depth is what gave them that success before the tournament, that is where they they get it from, and and Cummins is, is doesn't have a really clear role with the ball. He's obviously very good, but he isn't the world beater that he is in Test cricket. Yeah, they could do, uh, and it would be a very brave call, and in some ways maybe quite a Cummins call because of mm. you know uh, how he's viewed as a captain and that sort of thing. And I, it, there, there is cricketing logic there for sure. If you bring in Sean Abbott for for Pat Cummins, then maybe you do get to to do that properly. You know, Abbott eight. Stark nine, or or you bring Green and say, then you bring Green six. English can go down to seven or eight, and then you have you do have like, that's really deep, and then maybe that can free up Smith and Labuschagne to an extent to come out properly mm. hard because you know they, they they are both players who can whack it. It's not as if they're completely shotless. Um, so that that would be something they could do, but maybe they'd be more likely to trial leaving out Hazelwood first. Possibly he is a better one day bowler than Cummins, but equally. That would also that would slightly give them a bit more batting depth because Cummins is a, is a good batter uh, as as he as he showed today, um, and you know Hazelwood isn't setting the world light with the ball 
either. So that that would be. He went they... pretty well against India. Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, uh, but I guess that Cummins might think, okay, give me mm. a new white ball, see what I can yeah, do. Yeah, sort of fair thing. point. Um, fair point. So I, I I think they probably just will stick with it, try and bat themselves. And I guess you know if you're going to have Smith and Labuschagne, and you think they should be getting us up to. 240 as looked possible against India for example then actually that bowling attack should be able to defend those sort of totes it's just weird that they've changed tack so completely when they must have known that's what they were going to do mm. even with head in the side you bring start that's almost the thing that has really had to change their mentality more than the makeup of that top six I think mm. um, there are a couple of contentious moments Ben do you want yes. to talk us through them the first one uh, involving Steve Smith was weird and the second one involving Stoinis was probably a mistake yeah so the Smith one was an LBW decision where and there's been a lot of LBW decisions with Smith recently where, that we've said that looks like a shocker and then you see it on review like oh actually it's fine hmm. uh, this one was a bit weirder because they didn't show the replay right to begin with on the DRS so they just showed the back frame from the back that showed he was out and Smith was like what you didn't even show the animation kind of thing hmm. And then we, when you saw the animation later and you actually look at it, try, like you can just about see it. He just gets into weird positions and mm. that's kind of what I think that's it here. because he, he was he was very annoyed at getting out LBW when in a very similar position multiple times when he was playing for Sussex in the county championship. Mm. Everyone on Twitter was saying those are howlers. Then he gets one, I think, off Joss Tongue mm. in the Law Test match that looked exactly the same, reviewed, and it turns out it was actually out. Yeah. And this was quite similar as well. You're right, he just gets in very odd positions that other players don't really get into. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, I, we'll get on to Hayden, but a little good Matthew Hayden, but there he says you can shake your head as many times as you want, but that's crashing into the stumps. <laughs> uh, um, and then, then, then the other one, this yeah, this one was contentious. So uh, Stoinis was originally given not out, uh, gloving down the leg side, basically. Um, and so then they, they roll the review through and you're thinking like, okay, it's hit something, kind of hit back pad, look, waiting for the ultra edge, it comes. There's a spike as ball passes glove. So there's no room for debate there. The question is, I guess, what has it hit? Is it a handle? Has it hit glove? And also then which glove has it hit? And is that glove touching either the bat or the other glove? There was some, so the what the TV umpire said was that the his right glove was touching his left glove, which was touching the bat, which is therefore out. If that was the case, that would be the correct decision because the bat, a bat, I'm sorry, a glove that is holding the bat mm -hmm. becomes part of the bat effectively. So glove touching glove, touching bat is glove touching bat. So that's out. I'm, I'm still following. Yeah. But if you look at like, he's basically judge made that decision based on the right hand of the uh, of the ultra red split screen, where you can see the uh, two gloves close together, but when you look at the left hand side, you can actually there's a sort of perspective thing going on that the they're the actually is, not it's, that close. It's, it's a distance away. Yeah, it's kind of you can you can you can do it yeah. in your own hands. I got the so. vibe that when he was talking us through the decision, that he just wanted to show off that he knew the law. Yeah, because he was very confidently explained. Oh, his 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 glove is off the bat, but because the glove is touching the other glove, it is still out, which is all correct. But it didn't take into account the fact that the glove was not actually touching the other glove. Yeah. So probably a mistake. Um, my moment of the of the game was that magnificent half an hour stint that Matthew Hayden did on commentary when the game was dead and buried, where he essentially said that this Australian performance was an affront 
to what it means to be an Australian. Um, you know, it's a d- difficult job commentating, as we talked about the other day, <laughs> commentating on those games where teams from as early as the 18th over, as I think Australia were doing today, essentially playing for net run rate. But the best bit was when he just started reeling off Australian greats and just after a really long pause, having made his point. There's a very long pause. He goes, Bora, war, ponting. I thought he was going to say himself for a second. But, but, but he does then sort of turn and look around and then say Finch, because Finch <laughs> is also in the commentary box. Uh, um, yeah, that was excellent. That was extraordinary. I thought, yeah. I thought Hayden was a good... But I, I, I liked, I actually really liked uh, how Hayden uh, was, was quite critical of their approach in the field as well, because mm-hmm. when, when a team collapses to 70 for six, obviously the batters are in the, in the spotlight. But really, as we talked up top... I think South Africa ended up getting a score miles above par, and Australia. I think Australia were quite negative, and I was quite. I was glad that that was called out um, on air. Um, ben, tomorrow's game is New Zealand Bangladesh. Good opportunity for New Zealand to go three from three. Kane Williamson is back for the Kiwis, which is the big news there. Um, their 2019 World Cup game was notable for a couple of reasons. Yeah, it was. A, it was a good game. I think maybe it was, if I remember it right, it ended up looking slightly closer than it was. Maybe New Zealand lost. Uh, a few late wickets and stumbled over the line. They eventually won that by three wickets. But it was, it was a good game. And that tournament started with a lot more close games than this one has. But my abiding <laughs> memory of it is that uh, uh, Tilda Swinton was up in a in one of the corporate boxes wearing a, wearing a Bangladesh shirt, which either said Tilda or Swinton on the back. Um, so yeah, the uh, Avengers slash Memoria star. I don't know what, what else has she been in. Lion, lots, the lots witch in the, in, the, in the wardrobe. Yeah, she was in that, wasn't she? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. um, a great, a great, w- w- one of the greats. <laughs> <laughs> one of the greats. Uh, I'm just looking on Getty to see if there are any photos of... of uh, Tilda Swinton in it. At, at the cricket. Yeah. Um, Tilda Swinton. No, there's, there's nothing, unfortunately. Or at least yeah. None in our subscription. Um, anyway, lots to look forward to tomorrow and on Saturday. Obviously, it's the, it's the big one. And England, Afghanistan on Sunday. Loads to look forward to. That's it for today. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.